Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be, be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. You know, I was, you know, looking at the board this past weekend in week two, and, you know, my Rams, you know, I was really iffy if they were going to pull it off against the Eagles, but, you know, I said, screw it, put a bunch of money on them, money line, and guess what? They came out winners, so I was extremely happy and used Bet Online. For game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than at any place online. And there's always the online casino as well, it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. What is going on, Rutgers fans? We are back with the next episode of Believe in Rutgers. I know it's been a while since we recorded an episode, but Ryan and I got a little tangled up, but we are back. Ryan, what's going on? Nothing much, Alex. A lot of stuff has happened in the Rutgers sports world. It's been a good couple weeks. I know that we haven't been back to report on it, so that's why we're back now to report on what's been going on. Right, and we got some special news um, close to both of our hearts. Um, In the recruiting department, um, big news out of Bridgewater Raritan High School, top recruit in New Jersey and nationally, Brady Cordilla. Class of 2022 has committed to be a part of the Rutgers lacrosse program. Yeah, it's an unbelievable thing. Um, his father, Aaron, uh, played at Rutgers. His uncle, Alan, also played at Rutgers. And Bridgewater Raritan has had you know, a bunch of storied people go to Rutgers, including Sp- Scott Bita, Ryan Hollingsworth. Uh, Coach uh, Chuck Appel had, went to Rutgers, too, as a two-time All-American there. So don't forget lobster. Don't forget lobster. <laughs> shout out Brian Lenskill, but it's an awesome day for Rutgers. I think that Brady has always wanted to go to Rutgers. He is a really, really good player. And I think that everybody in the Bridgewater Raritan lacrosse community is extremely proud of him. I know I'm extremely proud of him. I've known that kid since he was a little, little dude and to see him grow up and to be a division one lacrosse player and one of the top players in his class is unbelievable. And it's just a testament to his knowledge of the game, his work ethic. And it's an awesome Awesome, awesome day to be a Rutgers lacrosse fan and especially being an alumni. Absolutely. Uh, big congratulations um, from us here at the show to Brady Cordilla. Uh, we're super proud of him, like Ryan said. And listen, man, like this is huge for Rutgers lacrosse. He is nationally one of the top kids in his class. And I think what does it mean for Rutgers is you have one of the top kids staying home. That sends a huge message to the other top kids in the state that, hey, man, I can go to Rutgers and compete for a Big Ten championship and beyond, get a great education, and also, you know what, have a great time doing it. Yeah, that's always been a big thing that Rutgers has struggled to do. Um, is keep the top guys in their state in their respective sports. But then to get a guy like Brady Cordella, who's one of the best attackmen in New Jersey, to stay home and be at Rutgers is just unbelievable. It's a blueprint that all Rutgers sports need to follow. I know it's easier said than done, but just one of these steps just shows that Rutgers is in the right direction and taking the right steps to make it a you know well-known program to have all these kids stay home. And, you know, me growing up, I did not know if I really wanted to go to Rutgers, but, you know, now – looking back on it, I'm so glad I got the opportunity to play lacrosse at Rutgers. And I think these other kids 
once they realize that it's such an awesome school and they have the, this oper- awesome opportunity to stay at home and what that means to them, you know, all their families can come and come and watch them play and all these other things. It's just a really, it's a really big deal. And I think that this is only the, it going in to be in the right s- direction and it's unbelievable. I'm really happy for them. And it's great to see that Rutgers is getting top guys. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more, man. I think that going to Rutgers, actually, I don't think, I know deciding to go to Rutgers was the best decision I ever made. And part of the reason for that is because of the amazing people I met along the way at the university, but also the amazing people who I met who are alumni and who have come before me. And they really took care of me and they really took care of us as a team, specifically in the lacrosse program. I mean, there's just so many special people who you get a chance to interact with. People such as Brady's father, Aaron, his uncle, Alan, Coach Lovejoy, the Appels. Bartleson, Stanwick. I mean, the list goes on. Marty Malino. I mean, so, so many people who, you know, I, I can't name them all. Like, I wish I could. Like, I'd be here all day. Like, the people who just make such a tremendous impact in your life and just the advice they give you, it's, it's you know, it's, it's just, it's life-changing. And as an alum, I am just so proud that not only such a special player is going to be joining the Rutgers lacrosse fraternity, but just a special human, man, because that's what it's all about. And listen, optically, like, I'm so excited in a couple of years to, to see Brady and his dad playing the alumni game against each other. That is going to be such a special moment. I mean, Aaron Cordilla, man, you know, Coach Breck better watch out. Aaron Cordilla is statistically the guy who has scored the most goals against the Scarlet Knights in the alumni games. I think that guy is probably going to be playing longer than I will in the alumni games. Like that guy would be out there when he was 80 still playing. And uh, I think he's going to be in the alumni game when Brady's out there too. But I'm just – He's been playing in the alumni game. Since 97 or 98. Yeah, yeah, he's been playing in the alumni game since 97, 98. Um, So – I know he scores at least one every every year, and I know there's been years where he's had multiple. So, come on, this guy has to be the all-time leading scorer against Rutgers, right? I think that he probably keeps all those stats in his head. It's unofficially the highest scorer against Rutgers, but you know, I think that in reality it is. It's just not written anywhere except for in Aaron Cordillo's mind. Well, he's number one on the scouting report every year. Yeah, you know, it's don't this guy, <laughs> don't let this guy shoot, don't let this guy get hot. But, you know, it's just an awesome day for the Curdilla family. I'm so happy for Aaron and so happy for Brady. It's just really great to see. You think this could be the first domino in that class and that group of kids to create what we've all dreamed of, a New Jersey super team? I mean, potentially. I mean, if kids see that Brady is going to Rutgers, maybe other top New Jersey guys would be like, hey, maybe we could build something special, you know, in, in the – you know, in the scar in the Scarlet Nation, but like you know, we just gotta see. We gotta see what happens. But it's a great domino to fall. You know, there's still recruiting going on. You know, there's late bloomers in New Jersey every single year. So maybe some of those guys are more inclined to go to Rutgers now. Dude, doesn't it just mean more though? Like when you play for Rutgers, dude. Like when you're a state kid. This is an example of a kid who could have went almost anywhere, and he decides to to stay home. He could have went to any of these top schools. And pursued a championship, and 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 who knows, maybe he would have got one there, but he gets to do the same thing at Rutgers, and if he gets one at Rutgers, 
it just it's just gonna mean way more. This is a kid who has seen that you can win at Rutgers and you can win big. He has seen it. He's been around the program forever. This is a big, big day for Rutgers. Let's summarize our debate for people. I know we were going to do something bigger, but uh, with the Big Ten coming back, um, let's just let's talk about our individual episodes. Yeah, uh, just for me, um, I've always thought that the Big Ten uh, should have played football. I think that I understand why that the Big Ten decided to cancel football for this for the fall. Um, it makes sense to me, but I just feel like with all the overwhelming medical data that has come out in the last couple weeks, I think that if there was a football season, if the right precautions were taken, that it could have happened. And I'm glad that the Big Ten is back. And I understand that, you know, people are going to complain about it and I get why. And, you know, there's all these other health issues going on. And, you know, if players want to opt out, they can. And some of them have, have opt out. Some of them have opted back in. But I think that my basic point was that if the right precautions were taken, that, you know, the Big Ten should play football this season. And I understand it's a very divisive opinion, but, you know, that's just what I think and I believe. Right. Now, listen, I have said since the beginning, if football can be played safely, uh, it, it could be played. Um, I don't see that at the college level. I don't see evidence of that at the college level. I mean, you see games are getting canceled at certain schools. And, I mean, there's games this weekend that are getting postponed. So, like... What are we going to do? Like, are we just going to, you know, keep starting and going? I mean, uh, keep, are we, are we just going to keep stopping and going and, you know, kids get, let our kids get picked off, you know, as the weeks go on, or are we going to kind of just do something to, to, to truly be, um, in favor of protecting these kids and listen, um, I get it. I get your point where it's like, listen, if they want to play, they can play. They don't have to play. They don't have to play. But dude, isn't it like the administration coaches and medical advice people, isn't it their job to save players from themselves? Like that's why when you get a concussion and someone wants to go in, they take the helmet away from you. Like the science says we probably shouldn't play. Um, And if you are going to play, I think you got to be ready for the repercussions down the road. So, yes, you can play, but it kind of takes away the amateurism of college athletics. And that's why people love it. It's purity. It's purity of the sport. And I just don't like the optics of, you know, we're bringing back fall sports. And actually, we're not even bringing back fall sports. We're just bringing back football. False. There has been no announcement on other fall sports, so I'm a little. It's it's a little wishy washy with me, man. I just can't wrap my head around, um, you know, I can't wrap my head around college teams postponing games. It's not safe. Outbreaks. LSU almost their whole team is tested positive, and it's like whatever. Like, but. You know what? People have their opinions, and and I think the Big Ten, if they're going to come back, I do like what they did in terms of their start date, October 23rd to 24th. I like that because you have another month from now, plus the month of September, to make sure this is the right decision. Like If there's massive outbreaks over the next month, then the Big Ten can say, we're done. We're not doing this. We gave it a shot. 
and it's clear that we can't make this happen. So I'm going to disagree with you in the sense that like, yeah, I don't know if they should be playing. I can't 100% say that they should be playing um, like your point says, but I do think that if they're going to come back and play, they're doing it the right way. Of course. And, you know, I think that the, I think that, you know, these conferences have gotten confidence from the NBA coming back, the MLB coming back, the NHL coming back and the NFL playing where they, they realized that they could actually do this. I understand the first couple of months during the pandemic, nobody knew what was going on and we had to shut down. And I completely agree with that, but College kids are the least are like the least affected group when it comes to COVID-19. And, you know, I understand why if, you know, they don't want to give it to their parents, they want to give it to their grandparents. And I completely get that. But out of there's been 50. But I'm going to stop you for a sec. I'm going to stop you for a sec. But why is it okay for football players like like football players can't get COVID, but women's soccer players um, can get COVID. So they're not going to play and they're going to play in the spring. Like. No, this, what's, I did, what's up with I did that? The, I, the Big Ten announced all a return to all athletics. Mm-mm. Nope. It's just football, dude. I I think that they should. They I still think they should be. I think all sports should be able to play. I think they're limiting the number of people. I know we've talked about this on prior episodes where it's been about you know the, the schools are trying to salvage season, trying to make their money. I completely get that, but. To completely, you know, have the decision out of players' hands, I think is a little bit annoying too. Like these kids, they're obviously eighteen; yeah, they're no, adults. I agree. They're adults; they can make their own decisions. So there's, it's a very. Actually, no, I don't agree with that. But it's, it's. <laughs> I just said I agree. I don't it, agree. With that. It's, it's, it's just a, it's a very, it's a very, very weird situation to be in. Um, going back to my point, there's been fifty thousand. COVID cases between college students when they've come back, there's been only two hospitalizations. So the 18 to 23 age group is extremely not that vulnerable. It's not going to like, you know, there's not going to be as bad effects compared to the older people. I think one of the big reasons why the Big Ten, you know, potentially canceled was because of this heart defect called myocarditis, which is the swelling of the heart, which makes cardio- cardiac arrest more more prevalent when, you know, that, which could, which could happen. But, you know, there's, there's been a bunch of research during it. I think that with the right precautions taken, it should, it should happen. And I think the kids are excited to play. You know, you have people like Justin Fields, who's going to be a number one, who's going to be in top five draft pick in the NFL. He wants to play. So I, I understand where they're coming from. He could, he could have opted out. The last thing I'm going to say is like, if they love playing for their school, like they say, like you, if they love playing for their school, like you say, and you know they just like playing for. Last episode, you said, you know, Travis Etienne, he just likes playing for Clemson. Justin Fields, he likes just playing for Ohio State. Well, NCAA already said they can come back next year, not lose a year of eligibility. So he can come back next year and play when hopefully the COVID is in a better spot. Um, but we're going to agree to disagree because we're going to be here all day if that happens. Um, all right. College football is happening in the Big Ten. And let's talk about the football now. So the football will happen in the Big Ten as of now. Um, checking out Rutgers' schedule. Uh, where do you think Rutgers can have success this year in the Big Ten? If you look at their schedule, right, 
Um, the the schedule as it is right now on the website. So they got Michigan State, then they got Indiana, Ohio State, Illinois, Michigan, Purdue, Penn State, and Maryland. Right. So those are the games on the schedule right now. Hate to say it, but I'm gonna rule out Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State right off the bat. I mean, I I understand we're trying to build something, but those guys, but we're not at the level of those guys yet. So I understand we might pull up more of a fight, but I do not see how we could possibly win. Maybe we'll be more competitive. We don't know how these teams are going to be, but just from optics standpoint, I don't see necessarily how we're going to beat or really compete with those teams just yet. Do you agree? Um, yeah, I, w- I would agree, but I do think that we do have the element of surprise from a schematic standpoint, and I do think that our schedule is favorable um, outside of the East opponents, I think we get a crack at Illinois. We get a crack at Purdue. Um, just a couple of years ago, we beat both of them in the same season. And the, the Rutgers team a couple of years ago was certainly uh, in a worse place than it is now. Um, so I think um, I'm going to go with. So I'm going to go with uh, a more. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with a, a best case scenario and a worst case scenario. Okay. So I'm. So Michigan, so Michigan State, um, I think best case scenario is this is a team we beat because they got a new coach and they were kind of on the down with uh, Coach D'Antonio, right? That's his name, Coach D'Antonio? Yeah, Mark D'Antonio. Yeah, so th- so Michigan State was kind of on the down, kind of struggling um, under uh, Coach D'Antonio's last couple of years. And, you know, sometimes when a, a very respectable, when, sometimes when a very respected coach uh, retires or um, or leaves towards the end. Um, you know, maybe you see something. I mean, a couple of years ago, I mean, maybe something is brewing that's not good because a couple of years ago, um, Jimbo Fisher left Florida State to go to Texas A and M. Um, why do you think he did that? I have no idea. But the next couple of years, Florida State was in turmoil, and they're still in turmoil now. So maybe he knew something that we didn't know. Or don't know, so I'm gonna go best case scenario. We take care of business with Michigan State uh, opening weekend. Um, Coach Chiano, um, Coach Gleason, um, getting it done, and then I'm gonna go the second week. Uh, Indiana's a program that's in the middle, and I'm gonna go best case scenario. We take care of them two and zero, and then I'm gonna go Ohio State the next week. I say best case scenario, we play them close. Um, I think that with Coach Gleason running the offense, I don't think we're going to get blown out as much because, you know, you often see teams at times, you know, their offense doesn't support their defense. And I think with Coach Gleason, um, he's a smart enough offensive guy where if he sees we're outmatched, he's going to slow the game down. You know what I'm saying? Like he's going to run the ball, take his time between plays, and he's not going to do any crazy hurry up even if they want to run fast because the problem is when you run a hurry up offense and you're not very good you're not on the field very long ohio state i think we compete uh, more than we do in the past and uh you know <laughs> ohio state has not been kind to us um i think you know it's a it's a it's a two three touchdown game opposed to in years past where it's been like 40 points maybe even more so we're two and one at that point illinois Illinois is is not a great program in the Big Ten. Best case scenario, take care of business. Um, Michigan, the next week. We're going to Michigan 3-1. and one. I think we compete. 
but we're not there yet. So three and two. Purdue the next weekend. I think Purdue is a program that Rutgers should beat when firing in all cylinders. And we're four and two. Best case scenario. We're going over the best case scenarios. Um, Penn State. I think we lose a close one and we're four and three. And then best case scenario again, I say uh, down in College Park, uh, we take care of the Terps. I think like Indiana, that's a team we should beat every other year, sometimes in consecutive years. Uh, We've had some good ones with Maryland, even in years we've struggled. So best case scenario, I have us going five and three. Uh, what is your best case scenario? You know, we like to be positive on this podcast, but Greg Schiano, when he first took over Rutgers in 2001, he went two and nine in his second year. He went one and eleven. So I understand these are much different circumstances. We have a big, bigger recruiting pool. We've had Big Ten athletes as opposed to Big East athletes. You know, which you know means that potentially Big Ten athletes are better than Big East athletes are, right? So technically, you might have a better team, but in a season with COVID, there was very little spring practice. There was very little fall practice. I think it's going to be really tough for new coaches to simulate and be better on the field. So I think that's really going to be tough for Greg. I think that in the future, we could be great, but for this shortened season, I do not. So if I go through the schedule, Michigan State, realistically, I think that's a loss. Um, Ohio State is a loss. Michigan is a loss. Penn State is a loss, right? So that's four losses right there, right? We still have Indiana, Illinois, Purdue, and Penn State. Uh, no, uh, Maryland, right? Um, I do agree with all your points. Some of these programs is programs that we should compete with on a year, on a year-to-year basis when we get this whole thing rolling. Um, I think that Indiana. Well, you didn't hear my worst case scenario. scenario. (laughs) I did not hear worst case scenario. I'm just being, I'm just, you know, giving my, you know, my take right now. Indiana, um, I'm going to say that's, that's a toss up. I'm going to say win just to be positive. Um, Illinois, I think Lovey Smith kind of is doing a good job over there. So I'm going to go loss with Illinois. Purdue, we should beat, in my opinion. I think that. It could be a win, but they have Jeff Brom, who is a good coach. So I'm going to go a loss right there. And then Maryland, Mike Loxley has done a great job recruiting. Um, he's also an established coach there. So I think all this year with new coaches is going to be particularly hard. So I think we're going to lose to Maryland, unfortunately. So I think we're going to either go one and seven or two and six. Okay, that's uh, not very good. But is it going to be like a a competitive one and seven, two and six? Like we're like we're losing games like in the last minute, or is it going to be like you know Rutgers a couple of years ago? I think uh, those Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State; those teams are a different level right now. I think we're going to be dominated by those three teams. I think that the other five games, I think, are going to be relatively close. I think Michigan State will be relatively close i think indiana will be a close game i think illinois will probably be a close game i think purdue will be a close game and maryland could be either a blowout or we lose close so i'm sorry so we could we could be we could be more competitive i'm just looking for us to be more competitive even if we lose those close games you know we haven't got all shiano's guys in and you know we it takes time to get recruits in to develop so I'm positive. If we are competitive in most of those games, I will be extremely happy. And I think that would be a great sign for Greg Schiano and his return to 
You don't think Sean Gleason is the X factor to us competing? Um, I think that he is a awesome coach. I think he's done awesome things. I think he was great at Princeton. He was good at Oklahoma State too. I just personally think that in this season where there's been less practice and new coaches have less time to repair, and you see it in the NFL where new coaches are struggling right now, I think it's going to have the same impact on college football. So even though that I would love to think that he's going to be awesome, he could be awesome in 2021, but just with the lack of practice, I don't. I think he could be an X factor, but I'm just going to be more pessimistic just because he doesn't. he's a new coach, and I think new coaches are going to struggle in a season like this. I hear you. Um, all right, I'm going to go through my worst-case scenario. Um, okay. Okay, worst-case scenario for Rutgers this season. Um, 0-2, I think we're uh, – worst-case, we start out 0-2 against Michigan State and Indiana. Um, I'd say Michigan State, I've possible blowout, and Indiana, possible heartbreaker. Um, Ohio State – uh, I don't see us competing with them. Worst case scenario, um, Illinois. Worst case scenario, I see it being like last year, thirty-eight ten, kind of game. Um, although Illinois is certainly not a program that you know is awesome. I mean, they've they've struggled as well. So, um, Michigan. Uh, worst case scenario, don't see us beating them. I don't know why, dude, but I, I see even in the worst case scenario us beating Purdue. I mean, I could definitely see it. I do like Jeff Brom, though. I think that if Rondale Moore is playing, one of the most electrifying players in the country is playing, I think that will be, you know, I think that will be the X factor. But I think that we could definitely win that game. Okay. Um, Penn State, they're just, they're, they're similar to Ohio State, uh, Michigan, in terms of they're just a blue blood powerhouse. Um, I think. Penn State's offense is going to be much improved this year with the hiring of Kirk Sharaka from Minnesota. Uh, former Rutgers guy, shout out to Kirk. Um, and then Maryland, you know, they're they're a program that's up and down, but they probably take care of us in the worst case scenario. Um, but going back to my worst case scenario, um, so I had us at one and seven, but I think even in a worst case scenario situation, we'd have a chance to beat Illinois, Purdue, or both of them if not one of them. I think that's definitely incredibly realistic. Like I would, I would easily see that happening. You know, just me being a Rutgers fan, just seeing, you know, where the program is and not that Chiano, I don't believe in Chiano. I just, you know, I just know that the roster he's inheriting and just the problems that are there. And, you know, I hope that they, if they do great, I will be more than happy to say I was wrong. I wish I, I really want to be wrong, but you know, that's just how I see it as of right now. Well, you got to think that, there's a really good chance he's in a better situation than when he was here back in 2001. Absolutely, I made that point. I completely yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah, I know you did. I'm just saying you, you gotta you gotta have a lot of confidence that he's in a better situation now. The competition is better, but let's give the Big East some credit. The Big East was a powerhouse back then. I mean, Miami, Virginia Tech, Louisville, like West Virginia. I mean, Boston College. The East back then was more like the ACC. <laughs> You're right. You're right. And that's a good point, you know, before conference realignment. So, I mean, that's a good point. So, you know, maybe I'm being too pessimistic, but that's just how I see it right now. Right. I'm telling you, you got to listen to some more of season G's, bro. Shout out, shout out Chris Grohl. I'd rather be optimistic and wrong than pessimistic and right. Shout him out on uh, 
Spotify, go check him out. C's and G's. Hey, you made it to the end, or I'm just talking to myself and Ryan. You stay classy, Piscataway.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.